our, uh, Scott Ancaro, our lead pastor here, is away on sabbatical this summer, which we are just so thrilled about for him, uh, for the different kind of work that he's doing this summer. Um, and then in his place, we've had just some wonderful friends of the Foundry come here and share with us while he's gone. And today we have um, Greg Hubbard with us. No relation, I'm Katie Hubbard. Not related, but he's been a friend of the Foundry since the very beginning. He was actually the project manager at the church planning organization, um, Orchard Group, who has helped, basically helped plant our church. So he's been um, just a part of the oversight from the beginning, has been a wonderful blessing to us as a church, and he's going to come share God's word with us this morning. Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for, thanks for the nice intro. Good to be with you guys, and just, uh, just great to come into the neighborhood and just see all that's happening and to, to see what you guys are doing with the Foundry. You, you don't need Scott, right? You're, you got this, right? It's a, that's a joke. Don't, don't, let him, don't let him know I said that. Um, it is great to be here, and uh, if, I'm going to give you another opportunity, uh, uh, several today, but one to make fun of me right off the bat if you want to. Because uh, I'm going to prove my age just a little bit by sharing this with you. Um, I, I still get frustrated when my electronic devices want to install an update. Okay, so you can start doing the math to figure out how old I might be based on that. But only recently, in the last couple of years, did I give in and, and allow my phone, my computer, all that to install the automatic updates. I wanted to stay in control of it as long as I could. So I, I know this is crazy, but I didn't allow it to install automatically until recently because I had this conspiracy theory, I guess it was, that the whole reason why my devices wanted to install these updates all the time was so that uh, after a while it would update to the point that the, the hardware would become obsolete. That, that was my little theory about it. I thought if I keep installing these updates, then eventually I'm going to have to buy a new phone before I want to, or my computer's not going to operate and I'm going to have to go get a new one. I'm not going to fall for it. I will resist the updates. Crazy, right? Uh, my kids uh, laughed at me. They look forward to new updates coming out. Uh, the colleague I work with in my office is uh, a decade or so younger than me, and he would always make fun of me. And there would be times when I'd be sitting at my desk and I would, uh, my computer wouldn't be operating properly. Something wasn't working, and I would kind of call out in frustration in a funny way. And, and my colleague who was in the office next to me would always call back and say, have you even installed the updates? And I would say, yes, I have installed the updates. And then under my breath, I would say, six months ago. So, so I would pause what I was doing. I would install the update finally. And everything was great. It was like a new world. Everything worked the way it was supposed to. Um, it took me a while to get in the mode of just let the updates install. The world will be better. It's not a conspiracy against you. Everything works better when you do that. So today, um, I, I want to talk about a different kind of update. I want to talk about not updating our devices, but uh, in a spiritual sense, updating our picture of God, which might sound a little unusual at first, but if you're willing to play along with this, it, just for a second, if you'll close your eyes, and, and I just want you to kind of do a quick word association if you're up for it, and that is just what's the first thing that comes to mind when I say God? All right, time's up because I don't want us to overthink it. I, I just am curious what image came to mind, if anything, when I say God? What do you picture? 
Um, and I, we could go around the room and we get a lot of different answers, I'm sure. Uh, some of us maybe pictured an old man on a throne with a big white beard. Some of us might have pictured the face of Christ. Some of us might have had a completely different picture, something completely different than any of that. Uh, maybe you, you didn't know what to picture, uh, or maybe it was a picture you can't even explain what, what, what came to mind. I don't know what your picture was, but there's one thing I'm willing to bet for most of us about that picture, that image of God that came up. I'm willing to bet that it was something that's very old, very old for you, I mean, something that you could trace back many years to when you were pretty young. For most of us, when we picture God, whatever pops in our mind first is something that we learned a long, long time ago. Maybe we learned it in our childhood with the faith that the the family we were in had. Or maybe there was no such faith, but it's something we picked up from the media, or we picked up from friends or, or, or relatives, or something that very early on, some image of God that kind of sticks in our head and that it's, it tracks with us for a long time. And that's a good thing. But today I want to give us kind of a, a chance for a reset, a chance to stop and update our picture of God. Not so much because God has changed on us, I don't mean that, but because we have changed. We as individuals, we've grown, we've developed spiritually. We as people, as humanity, over the years hopefully have developed, although recent current events maybe we sometimes wonder about that, but hopefully we are moving forward, and it might be helpful to to pause and to update that picture that we have of God. Now, I recognize in a room this size with this many folks in it that many of us may have come into this room today carrying something kind of heavy. Something maybe is going on in life, and and you showed up here today hoping that there'd be something practical to help you with that. Uh, Maybe it's um, stuff at work or stuff at school or a relationship that's important to you that's not going the way that you would like, to say the least, or or, or a health issue or a financial struggle or somebody you love and care about is going through one of those things. And you, you come here today with that, and you're hoping there's something that happens in a worship service like this that can help you with that. And then you get here, and it's a guest speaker, and he wants to talk about updating your picture of God. What's that, right? Uh, So let me assure you that there there is help that comes from this. This is actually very practical. Uh, There is something very rudimentary about this that can help us with our daily lives. And it really comes down to this. I'll quote the great Albert Einstein You never know about these old quotes that the person really said them or not. But supposedly he did say this. He said, I think the most important question facing humanity is, is the universe a friendly place? Is the universe a friendly place? This is the first and most basic question all people must answer for themselves. Einstein was was to have said that. Now, I, I would take it one step further and say maybe that question, what's behind that question is what is God like? What is the divine like? Is is the divine friendly? Is the divine somebody who can be trusted, loving, caring, or some hostile presence in our lives? And when we look at that question that way, I think then we get to see how asking this question can actually be very practical to all the things we face each day. Are we victims of a hostile universe that's out to get us? I think all of us on occasion feel that way, right, (laughs) when things just keep going wrong. Um, Or do we live 
in a loving, inviting presence who is on our side, who is taking us and everything else somewhere good and wonderful. That question is what underlies this. So, what I'm going to share today in just our next few minutes together is just three updates that I have made to my own picture of God over the past several years, and I offer them in case they might be helpful. In taking a pause, not so much because God's changed, but because we change, we grow, we develop, and maybe that picture that we're carrying of God is something very old that was very good, but it's time to pause and update it a little bit. So, it's very simple today, three updates I've made to my own picture of God. God um, is bigger than I used to think. We'll talk about that for a second. God is more loving than I used to, to understand. And God is more internal than I used to, than I used to say, think or, or, or understand. So let's just look at each of those for a few minutes. First, God is bigger th- than I used to think. God, God is bigger. Now, uh, I'm going to take us back to a few sections of the Bible from the older part of the Bible, the Old Testament, which dates back a little ways. to to see the picture of God that is portrayed, because it's not a small God. It's a large God that was portrayed in in these pictures. First from the Psalms, Psalm 95, 3 through 6. The psalmist writes, For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In His hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to Him. The sea is his, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. It's a pretty big picture of God, right? He can reach down to the depths of the earth, picture the deepest cave or a volcano. The mountain peaks belong to to this God. Pretty big God. If you keep going to the book of Isaiah, chapter 66, verse 1, another section from the older part of the Bible, we read, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool, my footstool. little comedy here, I think. We picture God here uh, up in the sky somewhere with God's feet propped up on the earth as a footstool, okay? If you've never allowed that verse to, to be funny or if you haven't heard it, there's a little bit of comedy there, I think. But it's a big, big picture of God, right? If God's sitting up in the sky and God's feet are propped up on the earth, that's a pretty big God. But I would propose... This was written a long, long time ago. We need to update our picture of God to understand God is even more, more enormous than that, if you will. Um, I'm going to rely on Paul R. Smith, an author, for some of the information I'm about to share. And also, to be honest, I played around with chat GPT a little bit too and had some fun with this. So, so consider the source and do with this what you will. But uh, there was a study in 2016 that suggests that there are 100 billion stars in our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, 100 billion stars. That's a one followed by 11 zeros. If I bore you, you can get out something and try to write a one with 11 zeros and just see how big that is. That many stars, that many suns, if you will, just in our galaxy. Now, I can't prove that or disprove it, obviously, but, but it's an amazing stat to think about. How big is our galaxy? And if there's a force behind this that created or that, that started it moving even, how enormous must that be? Now, take it even bigger than that to the entire universe, not just our, our galaxy, the entire universe. There is one report from 2010 that estimates that there are over a septillion stars in the whole universe. That's a one followed by 23 zeros. If I really bore you, you can try to write that down and see how big that number is. A one followed by 23 zeros. Again, I don't know if that's accurate. I, I don't have a way to prove or disprove that. But this is what people who study these things are starting to say, things like that. 
I don't even understand that. That number is too big for me to comprehend. In 2014, a physicist named David Schlegel said this, it's likely that the universe extends forever in space and will go on forever in time. Our results are consistent with an infinite universe. I don't know if he's right or not, but th this is what we're hearing. Back in the 1990s, Carl Sagan said this. You won't hear Carl Sagan quoted in church very often, but, but this is amazing what Sagan said 30 years ago. How is it that hardly any major religion has looked at science and concluded, this is better than we thought? The universe is much bigger than our prophets said, grander, more subtle, more elegant. God must be even greater than we dreamed. Any religion, old or new, that stressed the significance of the universe as revealed by modern science might be able to draw forth reserves of reverence and all hardly tapped by the conventional faiths. That, that was what Carl Sagan said 30 years ago. I say all of this just to paint a picture. We know a lot more about how big everything is than we used to. I could go the other way, too. We know more about how small everything is, but that really blows my mind, so I won't, I won't try to add to my, uh, my ignorance by, by thinking about that. But the point is, whatever's behind all this, if you believe in a creator, if you believe in a prime mover, if you're open to that even, God is bigger than I think what we've understood. The idea of a God who uses the earth as a footstool, I'll be honest with you, that's too small based on what we know now about the universe. So my first update to my picture of God that I've been making is God is even bigger than I used to understand. Now, if I were to stop there today, that might not be very helpful. In fact, that you might walk out of here like, well, great, God's so big. What am I supposed to do with that? that, that that's almost uh, sets me back a step. I don't know what to do with that. So let's keep going to the second update I, I've made in my own picture of God over the years. The second one is God is more loving than I used to understand. God is more loving. 1 John 4, verse 8, in the newer part of the Bible, uh, a letter that was written after Jesus had been on the earth, ends with three words, and some of you know this well. 1 John 4, 8 ends with the three words, God is love. God is love. Let me back up and read the, the whole context, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Simple verse, one of the few places in the Bible where you get a flat out, let's talk about what God is. Not too many places do that, surprisingly. Um, now, when I was in school, you, many years ago, we learned about similes and metaphors. If you want to go back to elementary school for a moment, uh, remember this, a simile is a comparison, I, I believe, if I have it right, that uses the word like. Um, congratulations, by the way, about the Baltimore Orioles being good this year. I'm a Cubs fan, so uh, I'll, I'll use the analogy on myself, uh, since it doesn't apply to the Orioles anymore. Uh, a simile would be, the Chicago Cubs are like a dumpster fire, right? That's a simile. I can't do it to the Orioles anymore, congrats. Um, or I could use a metaphor. The metaphor would be the Chicago Cubs are a dumpster fire, right? Same thing, different way of saying it. So some, why do I bring this up? God is love. When we hear that, we're tempted to say, oh, that must be metaphor, right? That must be metaphorical speech. Um, it's so ironic to me because often when we're reading the Bible, there's some things maybe that we take so literally that maybe are metaphors. But I would suggest this might be a place where it might be the other way around. 
that we take this metaphorical, and yet it's supposed to be more direct, hardcore truth that God is love. When we get right down to it, this is a description of God that is pretty all-encompassing. God is love. Now, I was taught the attributes of God. If you grew up in church or if you've been around it all, maybe you've heard some of this. And if not, it's okay because uh, it's pretty simple. I, I was taught as a kid the attributes of God, and there's many different lists. And then I later went to seminary and had this drilled in my head. But uh, things like God is eternal. God is unchanging. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God knows everything, right? God is everywhere. God is just. God is holy. God is love. God is kind. All these things. And I always, in my mind, I assume somebody taught me this. I went in and I, I felt like you had to put all those things on a line and balance them out to understand God. You had to balance all the attributes of God. Uh, and some of them seem contradictory, but they can't be, so you've got to balance it all out and that's how you understand God. That's my old picture of God. Um, so the problem is it became like a tug of war for me. Picture the rope, right? And on one side of the tug of war you have team God is love over here. All the attributes of God that are kind of in that category on one side. And they're, you know, they got their anchor tied in. They're getting ready to pull the rope. Then over here you have team, you know, God is uh, just or God is wrath or God is, you know, whatever other one you want to look at, God is all-knowing. That can be a little frightening sometimes, right? You put those attributes over here and, and, you know, their anchor ties the rope in. And there's a big tug of war going on, a big tension in this rope. And to understand God, you kind of got to live with that tension. That was my old picture of God. That, that, that's what I learned. And what that resulted in for me was I felt a lot of tension inside. <laughs> I felt the tension of that rope inside of me all the time when I was trying to balance all those things in tension. A lot of anxiety, a lot of tension deep within, and not a lot of transformation, if I can be honest. Now, it, it, it served me well in some ways because I was a little afraid of God, which is not always bad. So there were certain things that I had never done that probably aren't very good things to do, and I, I shied away from doing them, at least most of the time, because I was a little afraid of this God character. Um, but there was no transformation. None of the parts of me that had been broken, that had been messed up a long, long time ago, none of those things were getting much better. I wasn't becoming a, a more loving person, to be real honest. And then some things happened in my life, I didn't choose this, that, that kind of led me to updating my picture of God, not to throw out all the attributes, that's not what I'm suggesting, but to understand God is love as being kind of the overarching understanding of the divine. And all these other attributes kind of being subsets that help us understand what that love is like. That might sound different, but this is the update I've been making to my picture of God. And this happened not because of some book I read or some speaker I heard. It happened because my life hit rock bottom. And I had encounters with God that I hadn't had before. I, I won't go into all the details this morning, but it was uh, seven, eight years ago. I, I, after a 20-year marriage, I went through a divorce. Not something I was expecting. Not something I had planned for my life. Not something I, I really believed in. And yet that's had become my story. And it caused me to go through a time of getting in touch with God in a little bit different way than I had before. At that time of my life, I came across a book called Falling Upward by Richard Rohr, and I'll just read a few quotes from that, that that appealed to me at that time. He writes, there will always be at least one situation in our lives that we cannot fix, 
that we cannot control, that we cannot explain, that we cannot change, we cannot even understand. I was there, maybe you've been there, or maybe you are there, or unfortunately, maybe you will be there. He goes on to say, sooner or later, if you are on any classic spiritual schedule, I hope we all are, right? If you're on any classic spiritual schedule, there will be some event or some person or some death or some idea or some relationship that will enter your life that you simply cannot deal with using your present skill set, your acquired knowledge, or your strong willpower. Yeah, I ran into that. I have several times, but I really ran into it seven, eight years ago. And I found myself, I remember this, it was a summer day, and I went down to the Jersey Shore. I live up by Philadelphia, so that's about an hour from me. It was a beautiful day. I went by myself, and I was in this kind of over, this enclosed uh, overhang looking out at the Atlantic Ocean. It was just a beautiful day. Perfect weather, bright sunshine. I could see as far as I could in front of me, nothing but ocean. I could look to the right, see the coastline as far as I could see. I could look to the left, see the coastline as far as I could look up and see the sky that seemed to go on forever. I'm sure if I'd have gone out in a boat, I could have dropped down in water that would have seemed to go on forever. It was just an amazing vantage point I had on a day when I felt like I had nothing. I felt like I had lost everything. I was afraid I was going to lose some other things time with my kids, financial security, things that ended up working out, but in that moment, they didn't seem like they were going to. I felt like I was at rock bottom, and yet, as I looked out, I really sensed God was showing me abundance. It didn't make sense, and I'm not normally a person who comes up with, uh, you know, spiritual happy endings to everything. Abundance. As far as I could see, there was more than enough of all the goodness you could imagine. And somehow God was getting my attention in this. And I started to, it's hard to explain to, to really know that I was loved. That it wasn't just one of 15 attributes of God. I had a balance on a rope, but it was what God was all about. And I began to update my picture of God to understand that God is love. And that the universe, that, that day seemed very hostile to me, and in some ways it, it was, and yet I began to understand that behind all that was something even more powerful, the love of God. So that's the second update I've been making to my picture of God that I offer in hopes that it might be helpful. The third update that I've made in my picture of God, this is the hardest one to explain, but I'll give it a shot. And that is God is more internal than I used to think. God is found deep inside me more than I used to think. Now, I've always kind of understood. I, I grew up around church stuff, as some of you I know did, some didn't. But uh, I always understood that God was out there, or at least on the good days when my faith was strong. I believed in the external God, right? Uh, and that's how I lived my spiritual life for the most part. When I did pray, I was praying to God out there, me here, God out there. When I did sing worship songs of adoration like we did this morning and my heart was in it, it was me here singing to God out there. When I served, and I know the Foundry is a powerhouse serving church. You guys do amazing things in this community. When I serve, when my heart's in it at least, it's me trying to serve the God who is out there somewhere. And this is all good and well to an extent. And yet, I was missing out on one part of the divine mystery. And that is that God wasn't just to be found out there somewhere, but God was also found deep within me. I had to update my picture of God to include the paradoxical other side of the mystery. Not that just that God is out there, but that God is also in here, and, 
and I would propose in each of us as well. Now, this is not a strange idea to Orthodox Christian thinking. This is not some idea we don't find in the Bible. It's everywhere. It's just not how we normally think of it, I believe. Uh, Orthodox Christian teaching, the indwelling Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit dwells within us. What else could that mean other than God is found within? First uh, Peter, or Second Peter chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 3, um, I'll, I'll read that here, and, and it illustrates this. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, and here it is, through them you may participate in the divine nature. 2 Peter 1, verse 4, that we participate in the divine nature. What else could that mean other than God is found within us as well as out there somewhere? We could keep going. The very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, says that we are made, we humans, are made in the image and likeness of God. We're made in God. What else could that mean other than God is found within us? After Jesus was on the earth, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote in Corinthians about uh, this idea of the body of Christ. And if you read that, he's not talking about uh, a body in a tomb somewhere after a crucifixion. He's not talking about a body like ascended sitting at the right hand of God somewhere. When Paul talks about the body of Christ, he's talking about all of us who are trying to follow Christ, all of Christ's followers in, in all times and all places. He calls us the body of Christ. What else could that mean other than God dwells within us, is to be found inside us, not just outside of us? So, I had to start updating my picture of God to spend as much energy and time on that side of the mystery as I had for years on the other side of the mystery, that God's out there somewhere. And that journey has been very transformative. Um, it's required more time spent in silence, more time spent in reflection, more time letting go of everything, even my ideas about God, and just seeing what there might be in the depths. It's been a, an important transformation that I'm still working out and will be for some time, that God is more internal, not just external. So, I hope those three things are helpful to you in your journey. Um, do with them what you will, but this is what I've been finding. God is bigger than I used to think, which can blow my mind if I'm not careful. God is more loving than I used to think, which has been very transformative as I've learned to trust it. And that God is more internal than I used to think. Not just out there, although out there, but also deep within. Well, I'll try to wrap this up with a crude analogy today. <laughs> uh, a story about my first pet. When I was a little kid, uh, a very little kid. We had a dog named Holly. Holly, uh, I don't have a picture of Holly, but it's just as well, because Holly was not probably an attractive dog. This was not some purebred dog that you paid big money for. But I loved Holly. Holly was my first pet, this little white dog with short legs who looked kind of strange. was my first pet, and I loved Holly. And I remember, and I must have been five or six years old, I remember one Saturday morning at the breakfast table with my family, my mom, my dad, my very young brother, we were eating breakfast, and I was looking for Holly, and Holly wasn't under my feet as normal. And I, this could be a sad story, by the way. I'll set you up for that. Uh, I asked my mom and dad, hey, where's Holly? And there was an awkward silence at the breakfast table. Uh-oh, that's never happened before. 
Finally, my mom spoke, and she said, uh, Greg, we have some news for you. As you know, Holly's an older dog, was, had some health problems, and this is what my mom said. We had to take Holly to a farm uh, that would be a better place for her to live, a place where, you know, she, she could live even with some of her illnesses and problems. She's in a better place and happier. We took her to a farm. Now, I loved Holly. So all I remember at that, about that morning was that I didn't finish my pancakes. I, I, I went to my room by myself and closed the door and grieved the loss of my pet. And I didn't overthink it. I was just grieving something that was important to me. Now, years went by, and we got another dog who ended up being the dog I remember the most that we had throughout most of my childhood, and all was well. But I share this to say that I never... My parents told me the story about what happened to Holly, and I didn't question it. And I'm a little embarrassed to tell you how many years went by, how many decades went by before I revisited that story in my mind. And I realized, wait a minute, they didn't take Holly to a farm. That's not what happened. It was a long time. Some of you, I hope I'm not ruining your childhood by bringing this up. But uh, it hit me, that's not what happened. Something else happened, and it wasn't that. Um, I was a little embarrassed and shocked that it took me that long to update that story in my mind, and I don't blame my parents. They were trying to, to do the best thing for someone my age and sharing it that way. But I didn't go back and update that story for a long time, and finally I did when I was ready to do that. And I would just suggest in a very crude analogy kind of way that that's, that's what we're talking about today, is pausing to update our picture of God, because maybe the picture we had wasn't bad or wrong, but we've grown, we've developed spiritually. We might be ready to understand it on a little bit different level. And that's my encouragement for us all today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. And I pray for each person here, for all of us on the spiritual journey we're on. And if anything I've said isn't exactly right, just guide us all as we try to figure out what it is you have for us, as we try to become more loving people. Just help us to know you in the way you would have us know you. Transform us, and through that, we hope you'll transform the hurting world in which we live. We pray all this with great humility, with great respect, in the name of Christ.